Now don't email me ever again. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled Jelly Bean Zero. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on today's episode, visit us online at priority.fm slash four. That might be a good way into into talking about Inbox Zero itself, too. Um, it's talking about how important the zero is and what the zero <laughs> means. Merlin has said, and I uh, this will be in show notes as well, that the zero he he likes to think of the inbox the zero in inbox zero as not being the number of messages you should have in your inbox at all times, because um, again that's impossible. Like new stuff will always come in. Um, the zero is how much of your mind should be in the inbox, how much of your attention should be in the inbox when you're not literally processing your email, and that's zero. Like you should not have have parts of yourself tied up in the inbox. Um, so one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this in particular is um, it has become such a common term. Um, I will put a image of this in show notes, but um, Microsoft's latest version of, uh, really I think the only version for Android and iOS of Outlook, their email program, um, when you get a particular inbox in Outlook for for Android, at least I haven't I don't have it on my iPhone, but I have it on the tablet sitting in front of me. Uh, when you get it to zero, it posts like clever little, it puts a clever little message on the screen saying like, you're really good at inbox zero or inbox zero achieved 500 points. Whoa. Which is, is kind of crazy seeing words from Merlin Mann, uh, in a Microsoft product on an Android tablet. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, <laughs> very strange times. Whoa. But anyhow, I, I want to talk about that phenomenon a little bit about the use of the term inbox zero, which mm-hmm. in the modern era, um, has really come to mean something um, simpler and less useful, I think, than than how it was originally intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'll we'll link to a few of these in show notes. But the internet abounds with articles. If you uh, just Google for Inbox Zero and click on links at random, uh, you know it's very hard not to find articles that um, are either aware of Merlin Mann's work and deliberately misusing the term. Or clearly from someone who hasn't hasn't actually read or watched mm-hmm. um, the entire article or video, uh, and maybe doesn't know that that's what it's from, right? Or or articles, yeah, that's the other case. Or you'll find articles that that you know they're still, and this is what drives me crazy. They still capitalize the i and the z, like they still <laughs> know it's a proper noun somehow, but they're just you know. Um, um, articles that say things like, you know, the myth of inbox zero and the path to peace of mind by Sean Carolyn, um, at GigaOm, mm-hmm. which is an article that I am mm-hmm. pretty sure actually uses the proper noun, you know, talks about it like it's a proper noun, right. capital I inbox, capital Z zero, but yeah. plainly this guy has never read the actual article or seen the video. Mm-hmm. Um, or if he has, he doesn't remember. So anyhow, the way it's the way it's typically used by all these people is um at the very at the worst or least it is used to mean, you know, it's just it's the you know, your inbox is at zero and for some reason that needs to be capitalized as a proper noun. Right. <laughs> inbox it, zero. Mm-hmm. I have nothing in my email. Yeah. Huzzah. So um, I think it bears saying uh stating clearly what you're already talking about is that it is not just about the the emptiness of your inbox right and that is I, not what he meant that is not no, what we mean no 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 mm-hmm. F- certainly not and and at the other end of the of the spectrum of people misusing it there are plenty of people who seem to understand that this is a system or a practice mm-hmm. um but either again are not familiar with the source material or don't even know about the existence of the source material they think the practice is you just keep your inbox empty all the time mm-hmm. and that there's nothing more to it right um yeah. Whereas um, the original inbox zero, as intended, and I'm I'm going off what Merlin has said about the intent, as well as how I interpret the intent and, and read the intent and, and hear the intent when I watch the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the video and the articles will be in show notes if anybody wants to follow along. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the gist of it is, it is a system for making sure you can keep on top of your email. Mm-hmm. And I like to think of it as it is about having zero emails in your inbox, but it is about 
engaging with your email in a more healthy way so you get to that point more often is not about a obsessive need to be at that point all the time. No, it's almost like a it's a visual marker that stands for the level of organization and processing that you're at. Right. There's there's an important distinction that so but so in the the original video, which the video for Inbox Zero is a talk that Merlin gave at Google in 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, he does say in that original video that every time you go into your email, as a best practice, you process to zero. Um, you know, you never just check it. You never just go in and look at one thing. You don't. <laughs> he says this one specifically. You don't scroll up and down in your inbox weeping. Um, you go in and you process to zero every time, as a best practice. Now, the distinction I would make, uh, people hear that and roll their eyes and they think instantly that I'm, I'm making a distinction without a difference because I've just complained about people saying, you know, that it's all about getting to zero all the time and staying mm -hmm. at zero. It's not about getting to zero all the time or staying at zero. It doesn't matter if you have one thing in your inbox or a thousand things in your inbox. You are still doing inbox zero if every time you go in, every time you sit down to do email, you sit down with the intention and work through it systematically to mm -hmm. get towards zero. And if right. you don't have time to do that, you don't you don't go in. Right. Um and that's that's not to say that you would never do emergency scanning and never cherry pick, but just that as much as possible you try mm -hmm. to get out of those habits um and and do the things you need to do to get to zero. Um, right. So I'm thinking of an example like if you are the type who likes to check back into your email a few times an hour even if you're working on something outside of email. Let's say there's a message in there that um has some emotional baggage on it. Maybe you need to send a quick apology. Someone emailed you about something that they had been confused on. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you were supposed to have a meeting, you had to cancel, and you're you're feeling bad about having to reschedule. Right. If you leave that message in there, and every time you go back to check for new things that are different problems, different tasks, but you see that message and think, oh, I feel so bad for doing that to Susan. That was awful. I need to write her back. Or I should make a sticky note to write her back. Um, but you go through that process every time you go back in, you are clogging up a lot of space to get things done. Not just that task. Maybe you're not ready to send that email. Maybe you need to think about what sort of delicate language you want to use. Maybe you need to think about what alternative plan you need to propose to Susan. Um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, totally. And it's, yeah, it, it's not just space it's it's you you've alluded to the right thing um but i'm gonna i'm gonna use kind of a new agey sounding term and i, I don't mean this as new age is gonna sound mm -hmm. you're taking up that email's not just taking up space on your screen and in your inbox it's taking up psychic space oh no that's totally what um, I mean. yeah yeah it's taking mm -hmm. up emotional space um it's it's clouding your vision every time you go in mm -hmm. and that's not to say that you should just throw it away um but i think it right. is to say i, I mean my my kind of core thing on this is if all this email in your inbox is worth getting back to people on sometime, if it is all stuff that you really actually have to do, if it's worth holding on to as reference, if any of that is true, it's worth dealing with appropriately. It's mm -hmm. like if something is not worth either, <laughs> at the very least, putting it away or putting it on a list, mm -hmm. um, is it worth holding on to at all? Right. I don't, right. and a lot of people will say, like, there's this middle state of stuff that, like, you know, it's not going to be worth it to me to put all of these, you know, I have a thousand emails in my inbox, and among them there's at least 300 tasks to do. It's not <laughs> worth putting them on a list, but it's worth holding them in the inbox. Uh, I don't think that's a thing. I, I think someone has made a, has, has identified, like, this m weird middle state of, of mixed content types that doesn't right. really exist when they do that. Um, I, I think at its core, if it's worth holding on to, it's worth taking care of and putting it where it goes. Right. It sounds like I think that instinct comes from people who know that they haven't made decisions yet, so they don't know which state it ought to be in. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's exactly right. Do, do you think I, we should walk real quickly through the Inbox Zero as a process? You know, just, yeah, just what it consists good. of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in, in case anybody is not going to go spend an hour watching a video <laughs> on YouTube uh, or go read several articles from a blog in 2006. There uh, is always homework with this podcast. <laughs> I think people should just understand and expect it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do expect that every one of the 20 links and show notes every week will be read. Absolutely. Um, 
if you expect to pass this class, then uh, so oh, anyhow, wait. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of Inbox Zero is that every time you go into your email, you do so with the intention of processing to zero. Um, and I, I don't think this is said in the video, but I would state it, state it here. I think it's okay if you don't make it every time, but that's your intent. There's nothing, you know, you, you don't just go in and check. Sure. Um, Merlin makes the distinction specifically that he's talking about processing to zero. And processing is, and this is important, more than checking. You don't just go in and see what's new and hot in your email. Scroll up and down, you know, find the important messages. It's it's more than checking, but it's also less than responding. <laughs> so you you don't get to zero by doing every piece of work that's in your inbox or by writing a reply to every email that's there. You process it. Um, and specifically processing, processing has a particular meaning in getting things done, um, which again is a, is a big influence on this. Um, he's using it a little bit differently though. He's saying you read it and then you put it into one of a limited number of categories. And he proposes these five. Um, and more or less in this order of preference. Um, number one, uh, the thing to do as much as possible with your email is to delete, um, or archive. Uh, obviously, if you have something like Gmail where you have a lot of storage and an easy archive button and the search is really good, just throwing everything into the archive that you don't need to deal with but you might want to reference someday is not a bad practice. Mm -hmm. um, the search on Gmail is really good. You don't need to tag it. You don't need to think about where it goes. If you're not going to do anything with it, it doesn't need a response right now, um, or even just you can get away with it, You know, delete it or archive it. That's one. Two would be to delegate. Uh, is there someone else this that would this would be better to, you know, be done by? Mm -hmm. um, does someone else need to answer this question? Could someone else answer this question? And that that obviously is something you would forward on. Um, it could be a literal delegation, like somebody is your subordinate um, or a loved one that you can give instructions to. You can say, <laughs> "Take care of this." That's kind could, of loved one, <laughs> right? Or it could be more of a uh, a delegate, just in the sense of you know someone else can answer this question, so I'm going to forward it on to them for their input. Sure. So forward forward it on, and then again archive it or delete it. Um, the third one would be respond. If you can just dash out a quick response in a couple of lines and answer a question or handle the request just with the response, go ahead and do that. Uh, the fourth one is defer, and this is if it takes longer than, you know, two minutes or so to dash out that response, or it's going to take an action, but is going to take longer than, again, a minute or two to do right now, mm -hmm. uh, defer it, which means you put it on a list somewhere. And again, you get that email out of your inbox. Um, if you're working in something like Outlook, uh, it's very easy to just drag a message, you know, into a task. Um, but the point is, whatever you have to do, you still want to get that email out of your inbox and make a task and, mm. um, or on a calendar. If it's time sensitive, you want to make sure you come back to it, you know, put a deadline on it and then mm -hmm. put it on your calendar somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the fifth thing is an action. If it's something you can do quickly that will take care of it, uh, again, mm -hmm. if it's, if it's something longer than that, you want to, you want to defer. So delete, delegate, respond, defer, or do an action if it's a very quick one. Yes. Um, and in all cases, once you've taken care of it, get it out of your inbox. Uh, one thing that he emphasizes really strongly that I agree with and I'm not always great about is the delete that just about everyone can delete way more of their email than they think uh, or hmm. at least archive it. Um, you know, at work, I delete very little. I delete the message every Friday when somebody sends out a note saying, hey, we're cleaning out the refrigerator in 15 minutes. Come get your stuff. <laughs> right. Um, I don't archive that. But I, I do, uh, I delete as much as I can and I archive a bunch more, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot less of, if you've got 10,000 messages in your inbox, a lot less of it needs attention than, than you probably think it does. Mm -hmm. Um, especially, especially the ones that have been there for a while. Yeah. Uh, um, because it's at work, do you think that is out of the instinct to keep documentation of things? Yes. Um, it is totally, and I'll totally own this, it is completely CYA. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, mm -hmm. I, I tend to do that with my Gmail, too. There's a lot of things I probably could just delete um, that I hit archive on instead, mm -hmm. just because I know it gets it out of my inbox. Um and then I'm I'm pristine and clean, and but I still have it, you know, if I if I need to get back to it. Mm -hmm. um, I'll also mention I I should say I am a big fan of Inbox Zero. Um, again, the <laughs> proper usage, <laughs> the Merlin Man sense of the term, not not you know getting to zero in my inbox on Friday and putting my hands in the air and yelling Inbox Zero. Um, 
I should mention, though, I'm an imperfect practitioner of it. Um, my personal account that is on uh, the one that goes to my mail on my iPhone, mm -hmm. uh, as well as my work email account, I am very rigorous about getting to zero on a very regular basis. Um, not necessarily every time I go in, but often. Uh, certainly every one to two days, both of those get completely emptied out, and sometimes, you know, much more frequently than that, depending on volume. Mm -hmm. um, certain accounts, like my Gmail account, uh, it has become such a sinkhole and such a repository for just garbage that people and companies send me that hmm. I, it doesn't get cleaned out nearly as often. I do periodically go in there and just clean it up and get down to zero. But So how much um, of that is because of what you're receiving and not so much how you're processing? You know what I mean? Is it the, is it the account that... Both? You, okay. <laughs> you know, because I think certain, yeah. I think people have, they use their different accounts and spaces differently. So mm -hmm. I think it, I think it depends on what that space is for. If it really right. is just for collecting every coupon and free birthday meal from every site and restaurant and retail mm -hmm. store ever, <laughs> then processing feels a little less important than a right. space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, than a space you need to be in and active in every day. Yeah, it, and that's very much the case. The problem is I do still have people who send me things there that need uh. action and attention more frequently. So, so really I'm, I'm, it, stuff, personal stuff does tend to get buried in a mass of, you know, mm -hmm. like you say, every, every coupon, you know, TGI Friday's <laughs> free dessert on your birthday kind of coupon. Bring your um, flair. <laughs> a lot of that stuff, um, goes there, but it's, you know, there's also personal stuff that, and, and to your point about, um, you know, if you've got that really emotionally fraught message in there that it's difficult to deal with, um, I tend to have more of those in my Gmail than I do say in my work email or, or sure. my, my main personal, what I think of as my main personal account. I call it my main personal account, but almost nobody uses it. So <laughs> you don't have friends or close relatives. <laughs> uh, well, not, not who know the email address that I prefer to use. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, I've never, I've never done the like mass email, like everybody email me here now. I'm done with this one over there. Sure. Um, sure. I kind of imagine at some point I'm going to send a message to like 10 people saying, start emailing me at this, you know, at such and such.com, not at my Gmail. Cause I don't use my Gmail anymore That's and fun. let everyone else in the world keep emailing the Gmail account and almost <laughs> never get seen. Well, I think, I think what you're onto now brings up a good point about, why such system why why we're even talking about systems for processing email and i think it's because even though sometimes we dismiss our our digital spaces they do impact our personal lives and our professional lives and mm -hmm. so what i was thinking about was okay with your your account that not many people use anyway what are the stakes of you not processing well? So you said you don't think you you practice inbox zero very well in that space. But so what? So how do you know that? Well, you know that if there are negative consequences. Mm -hmm. um, and I think those are good signals that maybe systems like this could be helpful because they are the mm -hmm. uh, those little bombs that go off or the things that are telling you you're you're missing stuff right. or well well and yeah. um and to be clear the account that almost no one knows about is the one that does get more or less inbox zeroed um oh the, i see i see the, the personal account that almost no one knows about and my work account are the two that i'm very good about keeping keeping clean and up to date and dealing with action items that come in there mm -hmm. um it is it is my gmail account that everyone knows about <laughs> that i've been using <laughs> for 10 years um that is a cesspool yes. and i i got to say i um I find that as we make our email program smarter, even when the stuff works, very often I think it's making me worse at dealing with the email. Um, case in point, Gmail um, now does this thing by default where it divides your inbox up into like your, your main or important inbox and uh, stuff that's like promotional right. and things that are social and things or that list are updates. Serves. Yeah, so it's, yeah. I think it's I think it's social promotional and updates. I don't have my Gmail in front of me right now, mm. um, and I, <laughs> I have I already have some trouble distinguishing those categories myself. Um, but what I would say is Gmail itself does a really good job figuring out what goes in those categories. I have very little trouble mm. when I look at one saying yes or no. Each of these is is where it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to be. Um, but the problem I have is I think that has made me worse at dealing with my Gmail. 
Uh, huh. It is more complicated. It is simpler in some ways to go in and check. Like, I know if it's in the main box, it's probably from a person or a service I use a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's something I've told, you know, it goes <laughs> in the main box. It might be from a person you use a lot. Uh, it might be from a person I use a lot or a service I know. Hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, those are two completely distinct things. It may be from an individual person. Or... or- <laughs> Or cut off the person thought entirely, or from a service that I happen to use a lot. I, um, I feel like we're learning a lot about how you feel about your close family and friends in this episode already. <laughs> uh, and anyhow, it's um, <laughs> so I know if it's in that main inbox, it's real, but it still sure. feels more complicated to check my email. Um, and there are mm-hmm. things that to me are on the same level, mm-hmm. um, that go, like, stuff goes to the updates tab that I don't disagree that that's what it is, um, but it's something I needed, you know, it's a confirmation yeah. or, or something about a transaction, mm-hmm. um, or an update from, again, a service, like, like, you know, <laughs> if AT&T emails me because there's an account problem, like, you know, that's, more important than, you know, and apologies to the relatives who keep track of these things, that's more important than the latest Word doc or spreadsheet listing the whole extended family's contact information. Sure. Um, because yeah, I need, I need that different. other, but, you know, yeah. I need to deal with the AT&T thing right now or I don't need their contact information because I can't get in touch with them because my phone <laughs> will be dead. Correct. You know. Right. Um, Priority. Anyhow, I, I feel like it's – I feel like by – being smarter, they've actually made my inbox a little harder to deal with because now I've got these four things to look at um, and I have to mm-hmm. remember what's in each one, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's do- And again, it's not doing it wrong, I don't think. Well, what I'm wondering though, Max, is if you were already training yourself to have particular patterns of thought when you come into your email, mm-hmm. I think that division of inboxes is less for you. I think... I think they offer services like that because people haven't developed their own systems or don't know that there are ways of thinking of their of their space in a more they, useful they way. They don't think of an email system as something that is for them or that, you know, would be worth the trouble. Right. Maybe they think email is just something that will always be frustrating and will take right. time and attention that they don't want to give. Yeah. You know, um, some, something worth calling out there. I, I will try to find the specific episode for show notes, but, uh, Merlin himself has also said many times that email is something that will always be a problem and a pain point mm-hmm. and that it cannot be solved any more than the problem of rain can be solved. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I hear that kind of thing, but my only thought is, <laughs> Well, duh, because it's a human thing. Um, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's which, like saying communication yeah. and relationships. Like, oh, we can solve right. it. Like, well, no, that's, you that's, can't. That's, that's kind of, of that's kind of his point, though. Is is it's an argument against taking something like Inbox Zero and saying, okay, we can perfect our email. Um, he's saying, no, we can't. You know, not that you shouldn't have a system, but no, gotcha. you can't perfect it because it is a human problem. No, I hear because you. Because it involves communications and relationships. We solve um, racism. <laughs> There it is again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah. I think, I think it maybe interferes with the way that your brain wants to look at and process. Yeah. And this, this could just be me. I'm sure there's plenty of people who like, and frankly, I kind of liked it when it first started. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have found over time it has made, I already had a problem with that Gmail account relative to the other email accounts in my (laughs) life. Um, and that problem I think has been exacerbated by, the uh the additional pre-sorting that it does yeah and again it does it right like a you know the, <laughs> the feature works as designed in my account i have very low it's like gmail spam spam filtering i almost sure. never have a problem with their spam filtering um it is not unheard of for spam to get through i still know people who are who are aghast whenever that happens you know no no spam filters perfect including google's mm-hmm. i have always gotten a few messages that come through it happens but it doesn't usually. And conversely, I have almost never had real stuff go to spam in Gmail. Right, like, which is the one that does right. to happen. I, yeah. I think the problem is um, they have extended that thinking, and I think they're going to continue to extend it into other areas. Hmm. Um, and I know other email vendors do this as well. Email program vendors do this as well. They're going to continue to try to make the way it handles your inbox smarter and smarter. Um, and And I think that's probably helpful for some people. But again, for me... 
Um, and I think anyone who really wants to, you know, quote unquote, conquer this again, mm-hmm. it, it's not going to be solved forever. Um, you know, just like rain <laughs> or mm-hmm. weather, you know, um, but I, I think for people who want to get an even better handle on it, it is a hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at least it's a hurdle in the sense that you're, you're, it's a lay, it's another layer of abstraction and complication that you didn't add yourself that you're going to have to reckon with in your system. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking too about something that we've talked about before, the idea of practicing or building skills yourself. So I'm thinking about how the inbox zero stuff relates to, (laughs) for instance, my dining room table. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking about, and I can almost see um, an assorted inbox on my, on the corner of my dining room table. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked earlier about how some of these ideas are valuable because they are applicable in multiple ways. And once you make those connections, um, that can save your time and attention in lots of places. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it is a good reminder that there are things within your control and it, when, when we talk about time and attention with these everyday things like email or mail, you know, snail mail, um, or whatever, um, say throwing your arms up in the air and saying email is evil and it will always be sucky and painful. Um, if that's your response to everything that's frustrating about email, you're going to ignore the parts of it that are within your control that you do have the ability to develop patterns and skills and practice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like your life could be better <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you deny that when you act like, uh, Things that need organizing are permanently chaotic. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I, I think, I think there is definitely something, something there that to say, uh, this can't be solved is, is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, that's yeah. you know, talking about bigger prob bigger patterns that go beyond just email. I think that's true for anything. Like, um, to, to declare to yourself or others that something can't be solved, whether it can be solved or not, if you believe it can't, <laughs> it may as well be in the can't category, you know? Right, right. Um, I'm not going to say that you can believe anything in the world into becoming possible, but you can believe anything <laughs> in the world to becoming impossible for sure. Right. No, that makes me think of, um, I must, I must believe this pretty deeply because now I'm realizing I also say, um, a particular phrase to my students a lot when I hear really defeatist attitudes about writing or research. I'll say, they'll say, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, well, not with that attitude, mm-hmm. <laughs> which they love, of course, as young people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Um, yeah. One thing I think is worth throwing out here, um, just as a general disclaimer, uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about how the term inbox zero is abused by people and misused and misunderstood. Um, I want to be really clear that, uh, Merlin Mann is not running around, um, you know, prosecuting people for getting it wrong or, mm-hmm. or even working hard to police this, nor has he called for anybody to come to his defense on this. Sure, <laughs> um, sure. In fact, quite the opposite. Again, this will be in show notes, uh, inquisitive number 11, Merlin as a service, uh, on that episode of inquisitive talking to Mike Hurley about inbox zero. He's even said, like, I can't, I can't police that. And, you know, I wish, no. I yeah. wish that it wouldn't be used this way, but it's, it's kind of out of my hands now. Um, yeah, and and again, I wanna I wanna be clear. Like Merlin's career does not depend on you getting getting the meaning right, and mm-hmm. uh, we have not been empowered to <laughs> police that. I just am because it bugs me. <laughs> uh, this is a real thing. This is somebody's work. Somebody made this thing and popularized this term, and people are using it wrong. And that's mm-hmm. a little offensive to me because mm-hmm. you know it's it is somebody's work. We are not talking about a random term that just came out of the ether. 10 years ago and, and gained traction on its own. Mm-hmm. Like this became common currency in, in, you know, online language because of somebody's work. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, I think the reason why you feel and we feel called to revisit it, even though it's been around for X number of years is because it is valuable. So not only is it someone's work, but it continues to have impact, but that is diminished when people don't recognize what it was meant to be mm-hmm. for sure yeah. yeah yeah um one thing i wanted to talk about uh 
is sort of you mentioned how long it's been around um which specifically so the the Google Tech Talk which is kind of where it um it really became popular I think uh mm-hmm. was done in the summer of 2007 so that is now coming up on 8 years old uh the original articles like the earliest article that really relates to it although it it's not about inbox zero in particular is uh his article fresh starts the email dmz um which I do want to talk about before we go today uh, which is from, I think, January of 2006, and then a little bit later that spring is when the original Inbox Zero articles appeared. So we're talking about something that is nine years old. <laughs> um, and and in, in the vein of talking about how old it is, I think it's it also might be worth talking about, like, uh, how is it doing at nine years old? Is this still <laughs> relevant? Um, and And what would it look like, you know, if we were to address... You know, and again, we've not been empowered to do this, but say we are working on Inbox Zero, the sequel today. Is you know, <laughs> are there things that are overlooked here that are worth mentioning? Um, are there things that are no longer true about it? Are there things mm-hmm. that are more true about it? Um, I have some thoughts on that, but but do you have anything on that score before I launch into mine? Um, well, I think it is something that you've brought up too. Um, but the idea of being more conscious of who you give access to your time and attention mm-hmm. specifically in your, in your digital spaces like email. Um, but I think that ties into something that you've been thinking about too is acknowledging how much control you have over what's going to end up in your inbox. Is that a good jump into something you were thinking about? Yeah, I think so. And that is minimize the number of inboxes. Mm. Um, and again, I, I think Merlin did talk about this in the original um, and certainly uh, is in getting things done. You know, you want to have a minimum number of places that you can get by with that people can send you stuff to deal with. Um, one of the problems, one of the reasons this is more important today than it was, I think, when Inbox Zero was first written, is when it was first written, it was certainly possible to have a bunch of email accounts. And mm-hmm. uh, there were services that would send you email. Um, since then, the social web has taken off. And now every service, every social network has some kind of inbox, some kind of red number of, of undealt with items that you have to address that is going to pester you about every time you log in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a red nine up in the corner of your screen next to <laughs> a picture of mail or a picture of people or something. You know, mm-hmm. you you have inboxes all over the web now. And I think that is part of what what now makes this more frustrating than it did then um, is it's not just a matter of what's in your inbox of your primary email. You have inboxes everywhere mm-hmm. and everything is an inbox. And um, <laughs> thinking about this in my own life, like right now, I've mentioned three email accounts I have. I have more email accounts than that. Right. Um, most of which don't really do anything. Uh, rarely get looked at. They're primarily there because at one time or another that was my email address and there's still services attached to them that I haven't bothered to move over. Um, you know, at some point I do want to go back and clean that up. Um, also just thinking in terms of like social networks uh, again, I've, mm-hmm. you know, every one of those is explicitly or implicitly or includes an inbox of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've really been thinking hard lately about which ones of those I can kind of cut out of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, some pretty obviously there's this new one called Ello, uh, E-L-L-O dot right. C-O, uh, which I signed up for. I'm pretty sure I'm going to cancel. Um, some old ones that can probably be canceled. I don't think anybody really needs a MySpace anymore. <laughs> Maybe if you're a band, um, I still have an account there. <sighs> um, but <laughs> you even, sound exhausted just thinking about it. <laughs> I, I kind of am, but even just more recent things, like, do you need... Twitter and Ello and Facebook and Pinterest and LinkedIn and other ones that I'm not thinking of, Tumblr. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know which, one of those you can cut immediately. And I know that there's a lot of other smaller ones that people participate in. And maybe right. you do. Maybe all of them bring you value and joy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's worth thinking about, do I really need all of these in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and is there a way I can consolidate and minimize? And at the very least, like in my case, if you've got multiple email addresses more than you need, um, you know, I might leave that Gmail address open and running just because when I eventually do tell people, hey, I'm not using this anymore, I don't mm-hmm. plan to tell everybody. 
<laughs> right. But like my Yahoo address from 15 years ago and my Microsoft email address, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, all the scores of Gmail addresses I've opened for various projects that I thought needed an email address attached to them. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those yeah. I think can go away. Um, you know, and I would really love to get it just down to, to, you know, the two, the two email addresses mm-hmm. that are going to be used for everything. Yeah. So maybe email's a little bit different though, but I can't help thinking when you're talking about social networking sites or sharing sites in particular, how do you think, how do you think the people in our lives impact some of those decisions though? Because I'm thinking about the fact that there are certain people that I want to be with digitally and interact with and share things with who mm-hmm. only use particular sites and they right. only, right. you know, their, their usage might determine some of my decisions. So how do you think, how do you think the human element factors into some of those choices though? Well, I think some of the language you just used though, um, <laughs> underscores a, a philosophy difference that's, that's, uh, going to make this harder for some people and easier for others. You said their usage determines your, your, you know, services that you use. <laughs> because and, as we know, you don't like other humans. <laughs> well, as we know, I don't like other humans. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I would also say, um, that their usage determining where you're going to be online, like where somebody is going to be online. Um, to an extent is not going to be a determinant of what I do and don't sign up for. Mm. Um, now I am on a lot of the services I'm on because I know people who are on them. Yeah. Um, when I signed up for Instagram, it was specifically to look at and favorite things that Courtney was putting on there because she (laughs) has a lot of Instagram followers and spends a lot of time on it. Uh Uh, and actually I don't use it much, but I do like Instagram. Uh Um, but I am if, on I am on mm-hmm. Facebook because I care about interacting with family members and keeping up with them, and some of them, you know, that's the main way they want to do that. Some of them even like Facebook, which makes no sense to me. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that's that's fine. That's why I'm there, absolutely. But I would say, with very few exceptions, like Facebook, because in the West, at least, it is so ubiquitous, and so many people use it for so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there's that many for most people i don't think there's that many services where you have to be on it because this other person is on it and that's how they want to interact online like you might be cutting yourself off from how much you can interact with them online uh-huh. but it's kind of like if someone said i don't know i wouldn't but you this just is... said it though you just said you're on facebook because a bunch right. of us are <laughs> no that's that's the exception i'm that's the exception i'm making so i'm saying you can't cut <laughs> facebook out what i am saying is you can cut linkedin out you can cut Pinterest out. You know, I'm on Instagram because of Courtney, but I could cut Instagram out. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be on Twitter because anybody's there. Like the one, the one exception I'll grant on the like other people are on it, so I have to be on it score. I would say is Facebook just because it's so big. And even that, I I have known and do know of people who delete their Facebook account and they're fine. And you know, mm-hmm. it's a pain and people don't like it and it's weird. But I I don't know. It's um. Hmm. The you are cutting yourself off from something like you are giving something up by not being on those things, but it's still a choice. Like I don't think it's true that you can't function in modern society without a Facebook account, mm-hmm. um, or that you can't function in your social group without a Facebook account. It's harder. Oh, for sure, it's harder. I won't argue with that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think it's still I think even that one's a choice. And certainly every other like as far as minimizing the number of social network inboxes you have by not signing up for every service under the sun. Mm-hmm. Again, um do you need a Pinterest and an Etsy and an Instagram and a Twitter and an LO mm-hmm. and an app.net and a LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. You know, because you're a knitter and the people that you follow are <laughs> or and a ravelry. Um that's another one. There you go. You know, I'm using <laughs> knitting because that's that's you know, again, that's one of Courtney's hobbies. Right. Um do you need all of those because all of your knitting friends online are spread out across them, you know, mm-hmm. different different subgroups in different places? Right. Um, and maybe you do. Mm-hmm. But that's – I think that's a choice. <laughs> I think that is something you've decided. Like I don't, I don't want to focus all of my time and attention on one or two of these. And if anybody wants to interact with me, they can come there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we'll just, we'll just be in our, our little pockets. You know, you've decided I'm going to have all these, but what I'm saying is that's a choice. And I think that needs to be made consciously. And if you're going to do all that, 
um, maybe you do think about getting rid of LinkedIn, you know? <laughs> um, I mentioned an obvious choice before and you, mm-hmm. you've, you've had to say it a few times already, but <laughs> it doesn't, I think it goes without saying, just get off of LinkedIn and stop oh, sending yeah, no, me no. the requests. <laughs> I am not sending you requests. <laughs> no, I mean the general you, Max, I mean okay. the general you, because okay. everyone seems to be doing the you, it. The you listening. Yeah. I, I don't well, know why. I yeah I'm LinkedIn LinkedIn's days are numbered. Um, Not useful. I haven't I haven't gotten around to deleting it, but it's I'm I'm so over and done with it, and it's. Ugh. Um, mm-hmm. I think for anybody who doesn't know, I'll put this in show notes as well. Uh, LinkedIn is a social network that is designed primarily <laughs> to send invitations to everyone in your contact list, um, and to send you if you have signed up for it, email about what everyone else is emailing you about from their contact list. Correct. It's 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 like. It's garbage for you know, talk about inbox zero. LinkedIn exists to send you spam. Um, they well, will tell you it's a professional networking website. It's Facebook for professionals because I don't know professionals aren't on Facebook. I guess. You know what's ironic is a lot of the people who send me not a lot of I'm I'm thinking of key examples people who really want LinkedIn to happen are also the people who already have both a personal Facebook page and a professional Facebook page. Yes. They're the people who yes. split their identity that way. I think LinkedIn, if it has a real, true, actual, like, value proposition, um, for douchey power networkers that nobody likes but that are really good at networking, <laughs> it is a way for them to automate and speed up their douchey power networking. They can go hang out with each other over there. Well, in all of us. They can add all of us to their, you know, and say, hey, I've got, I've got a thousand professional contacts on LinkedIn. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And it's... I think- I, uh-huh. what really bothers me is, is the, the, the sort of the fake value proposition of LinkedIn, the world's largest professional social networking service. You know, the, the idea of a Facebook that's about work, like that does appeal to me. I mean, think about like what we're talking about on this podcast. We're talking about how to do email better. I mean, right, obviously right. something, something like what LinkedIn purports to be is exactly in my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. but I find it so insufferably boring and useless and, So yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn will be deleted. (laughs) Um, two thoughts. One was, I was thinking about, um, this gal in particular who made me realize, wait, the people who spam me the most with LinkedIn stuff are also the people who already split their identities in spaces like Facebook. So then I was thinking about how, um, this gal's personal Facebook is one horcrux and her professional Facebook is the other horcrux. And then she's got this <laughs> other horcrux over here on LinkedIn. Um, but she had to kill like a lot of people to get the horcrux on LinkedIn. <laughs> like that was a really yeah. bad splitting of the soul. <laughs> so, uh, so horcruxes, that's a, that's a Harry Potter thing. Is that a real question mark? Are you kidding me? I- Watch a movie, learn a book. <laughs> Yeah, I'm totally kidding you. That might end up being oh the, the end of the show, though. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, uh, other yeah. thing was, yeah. so, so I'm, maybe this is, I don't know what I'm opening up here by by thinking it out loud, but what I'm observing is I'm interested in, in both these conversations about email and about social networking sites. And I'm thinking about the difference that email is much more a medium. Whereas I think in these other spaces, you're doing a lot more identity work and a lot more rhetorical decisions Mm -hmm. about how you want to use those spaces. And maybe it's because now that so many options exist for social media, Mm -hmm. there are fewer things that I use email for. Right, right. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And that's, I think that's part of why every social network now either is or has an inbox. Mm-hmm. And why there are so many, you know, you're talking about limiting the number of accounts, accounts you have, mm-hmm. period, across right. all these things. I think you have to make decisions about what you want to do, where, with whom, and for how many jelly beans. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? I say for no jelly beans. Um, I'm not giving my jelly beans to a social network. Uh, jelly bean zero. <laughs> jelly bean zero. Right. Uh, hmm. Should we go back to inbox zero? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> um, my thoughts on on inbox zero. I think it's, I think it's still relevant. I think it's more relevant than other to try to than ever to try to cut down on mm-hmm. the number of inboxes and accounts mm-hmm. and places where people can reach you, or poke you, or 
Cinder <laughs> play Plants versus Pirates versus Zombies versus Words with Friends with Me on Facebook. Um, yeah, everything is a social network and everything has an inbox. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if it's worth talking about the critiques that arose in response to, I'm thinking in particular, I think it was uh, Merlin's talks about Unbox Zero. Do you have a particular um, critique in mind? Well, I'm thinking about, um, wasn't, wasn't a lot of the feedback he was getting, particularly from uh, corporate folks, was that so much of the uh that so much of it was is out of people's control mm -hmm. or right uh, okay like the you cannot stop right the flood like the, if like that's the, part of the office culture like the q a on the original talk from google was people yeah, were saying like yeah. i'm on all these email mm -hmm. lists and i get hundreds of emails a day or thousands of emails a day what do i do i would say for people who really feel completely out of control I think, and I know this isn't true for everybody, I think a lot of people who feel like I get a lot of email, I have no control over it, um, more of the things that they get will fall into that very first bucket, the delete bucket, than they think. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think very many people's job really is, among other things, you're on these email lists that will generate 500 to 2,000 email messages a day, and you need to read and respond mm -hmm. to every one of them. Um yeah. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think there are a lot more people who get that kind of volume where their job isn't really to respond to all of them. Um, and they might need to process through them. Every one of those might need a glance, but I think a lot more of those can be deleted than, than mm -hmm. they assume. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm reminded of something uh, completely afield from Inbox Zero, but uh, that I'm going to mention here because it's something that I, I, I try to be very conscientious where I practice it, but I have practiced it before and generally to very good success. So in uh, Marcus Buckingham's book, The One Thing You Need to Know, uh, one of the several things that the book is actually comprised of uh, is uh, there's an idea he has in there about sustained individual you know, career success. And mm -hmm. he says the, the key thing that people who have sustained success do better than other people is that they figure out what they don't like doing, what drains them on the job, and they stop doing it. You know, one mm -hmm. way or another, they delegate that off, they get into jobs where they don't have to do it, um, they make deals with people to trade duties, you know, they find an aspect of it they really like and emphasize that in their mind. Um, or, mm -hmm. and this is, this is the one I'm going to talk about here, this is the one that I'm, I'm talking about needing to practice conscientiously, and I think a lot more people could get value out of it. And you need to be careful with it, but it's very powerful. Or they mm -hmm. just stop doing it and see if anyone notices. <laughs> and oh I think God. that's hugely powerful. Um, there's a lot of stuff that implicitly or explicitly might be, quote unquote, part of your job that no one actually needs. And no one will notice ever if you weren't doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not to say everyone should just go to work tomorrow and, you know, do only one out of the 10 things that they're normally doing. I'm not saying stop doing everything. Um, what I am saying though, is if you've got a huge volume of email that's out of your control and you feel like you need to respond to every one of them, maybe try being a little bit more conscientious. Maybe look at the pattern of what you're getting and figure out a type of message, a type of request, a type of thing that's not really, you know, as in your wheelhouse as the others. Find a little slice of that that you can just stop responding to and see what happens. Um, mm. And maybe you're different. Maybe you get 2,000 email messages a day and every one of those people expects a personalized, detailed response with exactly what they mm -hmm. need in a timely fashion. Maybe. Mm -hmm. But I would bet if you find, you start identifying little bits of that you can ignore and start ignoring it, you're going to discover very quickly that mm -hmm. not all of it even if you can't control how much is coming in, you can control how much of it you're going to address. And mm -hmm. not all of it needs your attention to address it. Yeah. I'm thinking, too, about that office Sorry, example. Sorry for talking five minutes in response to, like, one question. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice. It's okay. Um, uh, I'm thinking about um, the office example where you've been added to 8 million project lists even mm -hmm. though you don't need every update about everyone else's step but for whatever reason every single person on that project is being spammed about every single update right. and uh 
idiosyncrasy of that project process. Um, but I'm thinking about too, would another version of what you're saying be to recognize or pick those things that maybe could be silenced, so to speak, mm-hmm. and and going in the real world and asking somebody to do that for you? Yes. So, oh, absolutely. So let's, yeah, because that's something I think that uh, could simplify things, but I think sometimes we're afraid to do that. Oh, totally, totally. And that's, that's um, in, in the Inbox Zero talk, I think he says that in response to a question about trying, you know, try to set some some sane boundaries with people. Just talk to people yeah. and say, like, hey, can we can we maybe do this a little bit differently? Would it be okay if we, you know, this mm-hmm. this we're getting a lot of email traffic, you know, related to this. Can we maybe, you know, do we need mm-hmm. to have a meeting about that? Or um, can yeah. we maybe just have an expectation that we're not going to email for certain kinds of things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think well, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of of two minds about some of that. Like, I think it's worth having conversations um, where it's possible and where it makes sense and get people on the same page about email expectations. Um, yeah. I am also of the mind that like, I, I, I do also think even in a corporate setting where part of your job is you've got an email address and people are going to communicate with you about work related things. Um, I also do just like practicing even when you can't or don't have those conversations offline. The idea that just because someone, even in the company, has your email address means you are beholden to them. Um, um, you know, mm. I, I think it's, I think it is worth, um, worth talking about where you can, but it's also worth exercising a little bit of your own power there. If you can safely mm. ignore this thing and it's not really yours to deal with and you've got a hundred other messages to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. if it happens over and over again, it might be worth dealing with that person or that list and saying, do I really need to be on this? Do we really need to email about this? Um, but just every now and then, maybe that's just a delete and not worry about it. I don't know. I, I I think what I'm dancing around is I think the conversation is important and good and valuable to have to cut down mm-hmm. on that stuff. But that also doesn't necessarily scale in every situation. I don't know. Mm. Whereas, yeah. whereas deleting people always scales. You can always, <laughs> there's no volume of email you can't delete. <laughs> you can always delete. As I as yeah. I just <laughs> having just said that, I really like that. There is no volume of email you can't delete. You can't have thirty seven priorities, and you can't process three thirty seven million emails. No, no. Well, and actually, yeah. um, as I'm thinking about it, you know, as you know, I am a computer scientist. Um, <laughs> if you have a billion, if you have a billion emails, you might not have enough uh, computing resources to delete them all. Um. <laughs> um. No, you're right. And that reminds me of uh, Merlin's idea of fresh starts and modest changes. Um, if things are that bad, why not? And you're already scrambling mm-hmm. and you're already a mess. Why not just delete it all and see what happens? Right. <laughs> and that's that's a, uh, the, ideal, the idea of email bankruptcy. I'll link to that in show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been around for a while. The idea that I'm so behind, I'm just going to email everybody in my contacts and say, if I miss something important, send it to me again. I can't keep up with this. I'm deleting and starting over, um, right. which I think is healthy and sane. But um, if I mean, if you are if you are deeply behind, it's healthy and sane. Uh, I would say though, uh, Merlin has um, a version of that that I like a little bit better that he calls the email DMZ, um, and uh, that the Franklin Covey book I mentioned earlier, The Five Choices, has a little passage called The, the Inbox Detox that has a sort of similar <laughs> idea. Um, but I'll start with Merlin's because it's, it's simpler. Basically, you take everything in your inbox. If you're overwhelmed, you've got 10,000 messages, 7,000 of them unread, you know, you don't even know where to start. You select all, and you make a folder called DMZ. That's D as in dog, M as in max, and Z as in zero, or where the term actually comes from, demilitarized zone. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like, you know, well, we're, we're having a war with email, but this is, this is the, the area where we, you know, lay down our arms and we can talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you drag them all into the DMZ folder, every last one of them, and then you work through them as time allows. Um, and then mm-hmm. your, your main inbox is, you know, clean and you're starting over, yeah. you're starting fresh. And if mm-hmm. somebody gets back to you on something and you need to go, somebody says, why didn't you deal with that thing I sent you three Thursdays ago? Well, you can go look in your DMZ folder. It's there. Right. But there is a trick here. And the trick is you're not actually going to go back and deal with them all. 
what's in the DMZ folder probably is just going to end up being an archive of what was in your inbox before you started over. It's kind mm -hmm. of like email bankruptcy in that way. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, if it helps to tell yourself, I'm going to get to those in the DMZ folder, tell yourself that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you're probably not going to deal with it. Um, the, the, and that that's okay. Yeah. The, um, if you feel, if you feel really bad or you were talking about a work email account specifically, uh, Franklin Covey's version of it, the, the inbox detox is you take everything but the most recent, uh, 200 messages and you put all of, all of that, like everything, the 201st message on. That stuff all goes into the folder, and then you do actually deal with the two hundred that are most recent. Um, mm. Which I think, if you feel if you if you're angst ridden about what you haven't dealt with, um, that's not a bad way to go, because the most recent stuff probably will be the things that people are still actually expecting you to respond to. Um, mm -hmm. If someone emailed you a compliment two years ago, they're probably not waiting for a thank you. <laughs> the Kairos has passed yeah. the the proper moment to respond. Right. Right. Yeah, and I um, and yeah. I, I think it's worth is worth pointing out as well for anybody who's going, oh, that's so awful. But I there's people in here I really need to get back to, people counting on this. Da 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 da. Um, well, if you were really going to get back to them, why haven't you done it already? Right. If it was going to blow up, it would have blown up. Right. And you would already be fired. And, and you know what? <laughs> it still might, but leaving it sitting in your inbox and not dealing with it mm -hmm. is going to lead to that just as surely as deleting it or dragging it into right. a folder. Yeah. A lot of this feels like, uh, I was thinking earlier about how some of this is knowing when to let yourself off the hook in that you, you decide and be okay with when it is okay to stop paying attention to something mm -hmm. because not everything deserves or should deserve your attention. And so some of this is just allowing yourself off the hook for things that right. maybe you've been you've been thinking should deserve your attention, but because they haven't <laughs> gotten your attention, that's a signal that they don't deserve it. Um, yeah. Because like you said, otherwise they would have. So some of it's about just letting yourself off the hook. But now I'm thinking even more broadly, um, I think some of this is just about being honest about what you do and what's important mm -hmm. and what other people actually need from you. If yes. other people had to prioritize what they expect from you, uh, then those are the things that demand your attention. Not, not all of the hopeful projects and hopeful ideas that you and your team or you and your family or you and your partner have ever come up with ever. Mm -hmm. That's not the deal. Um, it's great to always have maybe things on the back burner that, you could pick up on a on a rainy day, whatever. Um, but you really have to be judicious with your time and attention. Yeah, well, and that's that's part of why um, uh, again, why email will never be solved. You know, is is because <laughs> uh, you need to be judicious with your time and attention because, and, and I'm lifting this right out of the Google <laughs> Tech Talk. Your time and attention are finite. But the possible things mm -hmm. that people can ask for you from you, you know, ask of your time and attention are effectively infinite. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and, and again, like I, uh, you know, going back to social networks and whether or not you should use where other people are online as a determiner of where you need to be online. Mm -hmm. Um, if those people are important to you, sure, go sign up for it, but understand you're choosing that. I mean, me, right. even with Facebook, even even me saying Facebook, I kind of see as an exception, and that's where I am that I don't want to be <laughs> just because people are there. That's still a choice I've made. Right. It's up to me, right. and every bit of grief I feel over my involvement with Facebook is my own fault and decision. Mm -hmm. Which hopefully that should make it feel lighter. Oh, a little bit. I mainly deal with it by ignoring Facebook for weeks at a time and driving people crazy. You and Facebook. Um, but yeah, but you're finding out what works for you and where your limits are. Mm -hmm. My limit is Facebook. Yes, Max, we, we hear you. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, you can find complete show notes by visiting us online at priority.fm slash four. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a positive review and rating on iTunes as that helps new listeners find the show. Thank you.
there are things within your control and it when when we talk about time and attention with these everyday things like email or mail, you know, snail mail, um, or whatever. Um, no, what was, where was this train going? I don't know. I got off at the, at the wrong station. Uh, dining room um, table, patterns applicable everywhere. Uh, 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 you, skills, practice, um, cut this out. <laughs> no, and I had it and it was right there. Um, and cut out me saying shit so many times. 